Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Skullcast, the premier podcast about Berserk from the community at Skullnet.net. I am your eternal host, Walter, and joining me today for episode 134 are Azil. Hello. Grail. Hello. Gabola Tula. Hello, hello. And Griffith. Hey, hey. Everyone has a lot to say about New Berserk because episode 368 just landed uh, on Friday, and we're here to talk about that. Uh, A little bit of news first. 369 comes out in a month. They've kept the monthly uh, run pretty consistent. So I would expect that uh, we'll see October 14th would be the next one. And that would be the end of their proposed chapter of Elf Island segment. And beyond that, presumably, based on their wording and the announcement that they would have a new arc after that. We'll see exactly what that looks like, if anything changes at all. Mm. Um The next big news is that the Berserk exhibition has continued. Its tour now is in Nagoya, Japan, and that'll run through September 4th. It opened earlier uh, this month, like August 4th or 5th or something like that, um, before they'll head to Tokyo again. Uh, No news past that. I mean, I'm surprised they even said exactly where it'll be next time, uh, but presumably pretty short because they said this fall. They have some new sketches that are being added to the exhibition. Some Mira sketches, this time from Drift. I don't know if I'm saying it right. Drift. The yeah, way it's written. I mean, it's meant to be a drift. Thank God. <laughs> um, it's nice to know, to me, that there are still some unreleased Mira sketches that they're willing to show off. Uh, it's neat that that's still out there. So that undiscovered stuff, is, there's still new things to see, even though he's no longer with us. I think that's kind of a cool feeling to see that stuff. So thanks for posting that, Azil. I know you were just posting it from the Twitter, but hey, still, I wouldn't have looked for that myself. So thank you. Yeah, no yeah. problem. And that brings us to the main event, which is episode 368. Guts comes to his senses in what looks like a crevice. Uh, he's surrounded by the oozing figures who are now speaking to him, calling him a sacrifice and asking him to respond. Meanwhile, Isidro, Serpico, Isma, and Danon are surrounded by these oozing creatures. And just as it seemed they'll be overwhelmed, the Skull Knight appears to save the day. He also drops some information about these creatures, that they came from fissures that Griffith carved across the island, and they are the original owners who had supported this island. But he warns them that fighting the Horde is senseless, and so they have to escape. Back at the Seahorse, Roderick and his men are preparing to depart after they got a warning from the Marrows of danger. In the midst of those preparations, they feel a tremor, and the fish begin to jump out of the water. Roderick and his men get surrounded by the ooze, as Roderick says Farnese's name. Guts looks up to see Casca in Griffith's arms as they both fly away with Zod. Puck sees the island imploding as its foundations crumble, and the last page is of the giant cherry tree falling into a massive sinkhole. Definitely an action-packed episode. A lot is crammed into a little space. Um... I would say, I think everyone had the same consensus here that it felt like it flowed better. Uh, the transitions between sequences felt like they were, what's the word, um, intentional. And it, it just felt like a real stitched together actual episode experience instead of what kind of the wonkiness of the previous episodes. Um, yeah, the other that's one's kind of like it. little individual patchworks that were extended into episodes, whereas this actually exactly. felt, yeah, like an episode. Yeah, they had different perspectives three different perspectives, like four if you count pucks, right? So, and, and they all kind of fit together well enough that it, it sort of felt, mm, felt felt okay. I think it was better than the previous. That's mm. it. Yeah, it didn't feel stretched out for yeah. sure. But, <laughs> but. That's a lot of buts. 
Uh, I, I, that's that's my, my feelings is that it felt okay. I have a lot of reservations uh, with the whole approach to the continuation at this point. But I'm not going to start it on a downer. I want to hear everybody else thought. As? I feel like <laughs> no, uh, well, I'm, I'm letting you guys speak because I've uh, I've already dumped a lot in the thread and that's true. Uh, but I'm, hey, not everybody reads the posts. True, true, true. Well, I mean, yeah, I feel like like a just from a technical story flow perspective, yeah, it's easier to read, less confusing. I think the different perspectives might also help because you're just cutting up little scenes and. That makes like the fact they follow each other, the sequences make it seem more or less smooth. Uh, whereas when it's just one character's point of view and you don't really know what to do next, it might be more complicated. Like I said in my post, I feel like in part uh, the smoothness is due to the fact they felt they could take more liberties with characters like Roderick and Isidros and with uh, Gus Griffiths and Casca, who are the main ones. <laughs> or Skull Knight. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I didn't say Skull Knight because they did take liberties with the Skull Knight. And, and well, that's, that's what I mean. It's odd that he would... I mean, I guess, you know, we're SkullKnight.net, maybe we're biased, but it's like, yeah. you know, he's he's like an untouchable. He's not he's not just some exposition guy, you know, <laughs> like an arm book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's... I mean, my, my biggest problem with this episode is definitely the, the dialogue. I mean, you know, you, there's also guts and, and everything, but the, the dialogue was... Really, I mean, pretty bad in my opinion. And it's something, I feel like it's the same thing we said in previous uh, podcasts. It really depends on how much you care about Berserk and how closely you look at it. Whereas if you just uh, check it like while commuting on your phone from some shitty scans, badly translated, eh, you know, eh. I'll be Things reading. are happening. This yeah, this I'll, looks I'll like reading. an episode of Berserk. Exactly. Yeah, I'll be reading something else after that. It's just in between, I don't know, Bleach and Naruto or whatever. So <laughs> the <laughs> problem is when you actually care, yeah, it doesn't, like, it doesn't sound like the Skull Knight. It doesn't make sense that would, he would be telling this to Isidro or out of all people. Isidro's reactions feel, like, inconsistent with his character to me. Uh, just everything... I mean, from the, even the language used, I, I can see, like, you can feel, for example, with the Skull Knight, since we're on that topic, Mori tried to, to do it like Mira did, which is having used some, uh, some uncommon words and try to have some kind of specific wording. But uh, it used to be the Skull Knight would have, like, these grand warnings to guts that would be mysterious and a bit obfuscated, but it's not like what he was telling him didn't make sense or stuff like that. Whereas here, it's just, it, at the same time, very straightforward and, uh, and also not very... It, it, was, it was inconsequential, which is yeah. not usual. Like, that's the thing. It, it sounded like something he would say, but he was just commenting on something that's actually inconsequential and he's not really saying anything. <laughs> Yeah, he's just delivering exposition in a way that, like I said, doesn't really make sense and doesn't use, you know, the same type of dialogue he would usually use. And just stuff like, like I said, I mean, the word he uses for fate, for example, it's, it's funny because it's Sadame. And um, Mura also used a word for fate, but not the same one. He used you know, two kanji words, which is usually pronounced unme, but he wrote, always put Sadame in hiragana on it. So indicating it was the alternate pronunciation, but it's not the same word. And in this case, they just use like another form of the word. So it's just like, it's a detail. And 
you know, unless you're like an insane guy like me, no one's gonna check stuff like that. But still, from a from an from a different author's perspective, they might just be like streamlining something. Yeah, and it's just you know? I mean, it, it goes also goes to show it's not like they're paying super close attention or anything like that. I think they're just like going with what feels right, or at least more is going with what feels right, and. It, yeah, just whatever, get it out, then next. And there's also stuff like uh, when the Skullite talks about Griffiths as a vivid light. I mean, I, I made fun of it for being kind of a stupid metaphor because it's a light that becomes a wedge. And it's, again, like Mira used to use wittier... A little more poetic normally, a little more natural yeah. usage of... Yeah, I know, yeah. I know what you're saying. Smarter stuff. It's almost like mixing your metaphors yeah, while ex- being poetic. Exactly. But even beyond that, there's also the fact... The Skull Knight really hates the God End, and like he he never uses like complimentary words for them. I mean, you remember who he referred to, Flan. <laughs> He's always right. speaking of them like in a really, uh, I'd say, depreciative way. So he, he's letting them know where they stand in his book, you know. Yeah, exactly. So for him to be like, oh, this grand and vivid light came to this island. It's like, what the fuck? Like, who who is this? <laughs> Who's this impersonator? <laughs> Who's this impersonator? <laughs> so, yeah, stuff like that. And, I mean, I could go on forever, so I, I want to let you guys say what, what you thought. But even you see Rose's reactions to me, I don't know, don't make sense with where his character is at in, like, his character arc in the story, where he's thinking about escaping secretly, where, I mean, that's something he would have done in, in volume 18 when he was just introduced and he was by himself and kind of on his own surviving. But now he's part of the group. He cares for everybody. We've seen him times and times again, like willing to face danger, even when it was reckless and having to be held back right. from it. He cared enough for guts that he was staying at the sea god while he was sinking and Roderick had to grab him off. But here he doesn't give a shit. So, yeah, it's just, I don't know, it doesn't really make sense. And at the same time, for a guy who's been fighting ghosts and, and trolls and stuff like that for ages... It's the black goo, the dreaded black goo. Yeah, he, what do he we do? Like he was taken <laughs> off by the black goo and, and would have been killed by that. So that's pathetic for him. But it's also pretty pathetic <laughs> that the Skull Knight would be like, "Yeah, I'm slashing these meaningless ghosts. Like it's dangerous. The, the goo is dangerous as like a hole because it's a sea of ooze, and if you fall in it, you die. But like individually, these guys are not super hard, right? So it's just again, it's kind of it's kind of ridiculous. Like the whole sequence is a bit. A bit stupid to me. All right, I'm done. You guys, you guys say what you think. Uh, Grail, you were going to talk and I uh, jumped in with Oh, uh, I was just going to say that I, I feel like the reaction from the community was interesting this time around because we've had a little bit more time to kind of absorb the information for the past couple of episodes and it feels like things are starting to kick off a little bit um, just because, um, you know, we're all seeing things happen and, and – as as was saying in his giant thread, which was really helpful for organizing my thoughts, it was like they're trying to cash checks that they haven't really, you know, they can't do it yet with some of the details that, you know, we took for granted with, with Mira's stuff, like, um, you know, just random, random stuff, like the Marrows. The fact that the Marrows supposedly gave this warning and that they're trying to yeah. pack up and leave now. It, it all feels like, you know, they can't, they can't manage the way that time is shown effectively in the manga now because they're basically trying to do two contradictory things, which is to show the series as M- Mira intended, 
or at least how they're interpreting his intention. And now also trying to make this a manga that people will actually read versus just a picture book. So it's like they're trying to walk the balance and we're yep. physically seeing them try to walk that balance. And it's, it's very awkward and hard to watch as a longtime reader who normally will pay attention to a lot of details because when Mira was in charge of that, doing that was a big payoff. Hmm. And now my instinct to look at details is kind of shooting me in the foot right now because I'm noticing all these oddities. And <laughs> like I was talking about in the thread, Instead of being rewarded for looking at all the little details, it's like, oh, oh, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm being punished now. <laughs> yes. Um. Well, often when I read Berserk, I always felt like, and this is obvious, is an understatement, but whoever created it was someone that was much smarter than me and any thread I would choose to pull would hold, would be substantial enough to hold, you know? That yeah. always felt like it was the case. Whereas here, you can pull threads anywhere and then things start to unravel. And it's not a comfortable feeling. Yeah. Exactly. And even with stuff with like the humor, like how we were talking about in the thread, like it doesn't really pay off in the sort of way that Mira's humor would pay off where it just feels a little bit like it's um, – I would compare it to the uh, the Shirky Pumpkin in the reread when we were doing that in Vertanis. Like the Shirky Pumpkin story was yeah. so <laughs> was so robust and had a lot going on. That You know, that's just an offhanded example. But, you know, seeing Magnifico – and Azan just sort of getting drunk on the on the ship, you're sort of like, okay, well, why are they drunk? Why are they doing this? Why are they doing that? And as a reader, we're used to kind of analyzing scenes and understanding what Mira's intentions were, and now it just feels like they're there to take up space. So there, that's sort of how I was feeling. Yeah, the Azan in particular, it feels like yeah, that's just so he's still there, but they don't have anything for him to do. Precise. So they just yeah. put him with Magnifico. It's a superficial scene because they're establishing that he is here. He exists kind of, still. You know. <laughs> yeah. Right. So it was interesting thinking about that because, you know, when we were talking previously on the podcast, I was wondering about how they were going to handle humor. And now I guess I have my answer is, you know, don't think about it too hard. Just sort of <laughs> take it as surface level mm. and like, oh, yeah, funny characters are being silly. But, you know, like I was saying, it's not really rewarding in the way that Mira's approach to humor was. And Azan's uh, – oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. I was just going to follow up by saying that uh, – and visually speaking, uh, like I was saying in the thread uh, with Duronki, I think that's a really interesting angle to look at it from because it's the same team working on this project. But with Duronki, Mira was pulling everything together and making it look very cohesive and very polished. They don't have Mira's help for this, so they're kind of going at it on their own. And so it's interesting to see the, you know, little stylistic ticks and the differences. And you can see from page to page, somebody different is working on this. Mm. And so some pages look very, you know, clean and look very on model. And others, in particular, I thought, even though there were some good parts in the bit with Isidro, he did look like very fan arty, you know? Yeah. Like I could. He looked so. very cartoonish. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Roderick, I felt, looked a little more consistent from page to page, but maybe that was just me. I was wondering what you guys thought. I've, I felt like, honestly, that for some panels, they looked at stuff Mira had done previously, and they were able to copy it well enough. When it came to angles and you know scenes that they didn't have a good enough model for, maybe they had more trouble doing it. At least that's... That's something that came to mind when I saw it. I, I'm not sure if that's the case or not, or if it's just different people with different 
ability to imitate his style. But yeah, that's what came to my mind with, with Roderick it's, especially. It's kind of the problem in a nutshell. If they don't have enough reference point for something, whether it's illustrative or with the characters of the drama, they kind of have to revert to this, like an extrapolation that doesn't always work. Like Isidro isn't necessarily where Isidro was in Mira's time and most importantly where he would have been in the following yeah. episodes, you know, whatever was in Mira's head that hadn't been revealed yet that might have been, you know, something a development in these episodes. If they don't have that, then he's just going to sort of revert to being like, oh, sneaky Peter Sidro, he's, he's going to escape, you know. <laughs> like, it's like, yeah. well, he hasn't really been like that for a while, but they don't really know what to do with him, I it's guess, right. next. You're touching on a point that's, it's a bigger point, I feel like, for this oh, yeah. whole project, which is, because they don't know how characters would evolve, they are not going to evolve ever again. And that's no. also... yeah. Like, aside from everything else, because, for example, we are talking about Magnifico and Roderick. So that, that, that scene, the humor with Magnifico is usually that he's a coward and that he's very, how to say... Aristocratic. Like, yeah, he, well. act, he acts like a noble all the time, even in situations where it doesn't make no sense. But here you've got a sailor calling him Magnifico-sama, which I don't think has happened ever because, like, Roderick's men have no reason to defer to Magnifico. And, and then he, the humor is that he's getting drunk... And, and that's basically it. And Roderick uh, basically knocks him unconscious, which is also something like Roderick, despite Magnifico's antics, always treated him with like a respect because he's, he's his friend, right? They're best friends. So yeah, it's just, it also it doesn't really work as far as the characters were previously established. But yeah, when it comes to some, somebody like Isidro and also in the future, Shiruke, Farnese, the fear is that they may forever be like stuck in where they are now, where they've been before. And instead of going forward, maybe even going backwards, like it's true in this case. The Vegas impersonator syndrome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I agree. I I don't know that. I mean, I think these past four episodes, has it been? Yeah, it's been four now. You can kind of see the outline of how they will take things forward or, or won't take certain aspects forward. Like the fact that Griffith nor Zod said anything, this entire exchange during this whole thing, just as a plucking that one example, can you imagine Zod speaking again? Why would why would he? If he has something unimportant to say, yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that can so add to us. He's a getting scene. drunk when they get back to, <laughs> yeah. to say, "Fight me, Black Soulsman," yeah. and that's right. about it. Yeah. I Speaking I did just touch on the humor real quickly. I I did think I actually laughed at the Isidro part whenever I read Puebla's translation. I thought it was pretty funny. Like, but at the same time, yeah. I feel like Isidro is the kind of character that would step up to this kind of fight. And I think he would even be emboldened by seeing the Skull Knight for the first time, which, by the way, is the first time he's really seen the Skull Knight. Um, That would have left an impression on him. I feel like he'd want to step up and not be kind of like momentarily a coward about it. I'm not it just doesn't feel right to me. It didn't fit. At the same time, I thought it was a little the back and forth between him and Isma was kind of funny. Yeah, the thing with uh, with Skull Knight and Isidro is Isidro's like dream is to become yeah. the ultimate knight, and even though that's something of the past, and even though he's looked up to Guts, Guts isn't exactly like the you know stereotypical knight. So yeah. here he's actually seeing basically his own dream come true before his eyes, yep. and you'd think he wants to be there, you know, measure up step up and and he doesn't really and maybe next episode we'll see him slashing down some of that ooze but yeah the thing is he should have been doing it either way instead of being saved from nothing 
uh, gobs and griff impressions before we get into the nitty gritty beyond the nitty gritty we're already knee deep in. <laughs> sure. uh, well, I mean, I kind of uh, expressed my thoughts pretty simply in the thread. I, I agreed pretty much with as just uh, more generally. And this is kind of a downer, I mean, especially for someone who's gotten the reputation for being, like, a, a positive defender of the new series, <laughs> like the, the lead apologist. Uh, it, I think it was their best episode, and my takeaway is kind of, and it kind of, you know, kind of proved, like, okay, their best, maybe, it probably isn't good enough. And that's, you know, I don't want to say, you know, that's not definitive. That's just sort of how I felt after this, particularly when you have guts in a whole, you know, kind of pathetic. And now it's, this is a moment where he should be down and obviously, you know, down and out and, you know, it's a bad moment, but just the way it was portrayed similarly to like with Isidro where it's like, yeah, he could still have sneaky thoughts and, you know, he can still be comedic in certain circumstances and, you know, the characters, they can still have these traits, but it's like, it's very contextual and that's easy to get wrong. It was just a weird way for Guts to sort of, you know, seemingly give... It seems like he gave up, which I don't think he would ever do. Like, I could see him, like, raging out down there. I could see him being for a moment distraught. But it's like the way they portrayed it was... Uh, I don't know. It was just weird and it didn't really move me. And the reason I'm focusing in on that at the expense of everything else is just because, like, these sort of big key moments... And this isn't obviously necessarily going to be one series-wide, but it's a big, important moment in this episode yeah. Yeah. that's kind of you know the argument for why you would continue this it's to show us these things we weren't ever going to see and if it's going to be underwhelming or awkward or weird every time instead of like you know awesome and, and there's been some awesome shots like the shot of uh, Zod flying away with Griffith holding Casca was great I thought the shot of Griffith holding Casca in the previous episode like walking her away I thought that was really cool actually uh but these big key shots of, like, Gut's face or, like, the moment when the shit's going down, it's always kind of, like, underwhelming. And there's even sort of, I don't know, like, almost a minimalist approach, uh, kind of like what Az was saying with the dialogue and the characterization where they don't want to do the wrong thing so it feels like a half measure. And yeah. that makes it, you know, not good. <laughs> Gut's reaction, I, I took a particular problem. I had, I had a particular problem with. Uh, there's, there's two factors regarding your interpretation of it. Like, there's anybody's interpretation. And one is, um, would Guts have reacted like this? Which is that's one side of it. Is it our interpretation of what Guts would do based on our understanding of Guts? And the other is, was it the execution that got in the way? Was it the way it's portrayed that feels off? But in the end, the the add those together, our interpretation of who, who got this, how he should be, and the way it's portrayed, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like something he would do, at least not in this way. Now, I can absolutely see that moment where he reaches out his hand to the sky and he sees him flying away. At that point, I absolutely can see how Guts would be downcast. But the way, the sequence of events that Guts looks downcast before he's even put the pieces together in his head, it didn't make any sense to me at all. Real yeah, strange. he would definitely, there would be a moment where he would he would have a sad face. He would have a very poignant expression. I think they're imagining, you know, Mira drawing that and then trying to approximate it. But yeah, the way it all comes together and the questions we still have about like, what's going on with the armor? What's going on with the beast? 
how is he restraining himself? You know, mm-hmm. these are things where it's within the realm of reason, but we haven't gotten the reasons. So we just are sort of like, what's going on there? Shouldn't, you know, there's a different interpretation of this or a way it could have gone where Guts is just losing his fucking mind the whole time. And I'm not saying that's what should have happened. I'm just saying, okay, why isn't that happening? And It's, an ing- you know, it's a key ingredient yeah. in the scenario that you would expect to be there. It's like trying to eat cookies and you just left the sugar out. Oh yeah, I just didn't. I didn't know the sugar was part of the recipe, so I didn't include it. Like I'm, I'm expecting sugar when I eat cookies. You put Griffin in front of guts. I'm expecting the berserk armor to be activated. Personally. Particularly when Cask is, you know, leaving. It's yeah. like game over, man. Uh, maybe, maybe go berserk. <laughs> like I got stuff to say based on what you just said, Griff. But I'm gonna let Gobs reply first. Well, my thought is. Uh, uh, my first thought was, "Well, this sucks." Like, and I saw that in the chat. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't respond yet because I had not seen it yet. Well, it's a weird feeling to want your heart to be broken, and I don't feel like I read this episode and uh, felt heartbroken uh, by Griffith taking Casco away. Mm. Uh, I feel like a lot of that has to do with the execution. I'm not a fan of Casca being abducted, like, at all. But I don't doubt this was what Mira had planned. And I I do feel like Mira would have probably uh, wrecked me emotionally with this episode. Um, uh, That said, this is definitely uh, the best. Uh, looking episode, I was happy people were talking. Uh, I think everybody already touched on a lot of issues that I had with, you know, dialogue and, and art and wonky facial expressions. I was going to say that Zod, uh, <laughs> that image of Zod carrying Casca uh, or Griffith and Casca away, it almost looks like they used a, a figurine as a, a reference and just kind of. <laughs> they might have, actually. Yeah. But anyway, um I'm yeah, it it sucks. Like and I it I think it's a combination of the events and uh just being underwhelmed that that kind of still bugs me. Hmm. Yeah, I think you really hit the nail on on the head here and it's also what I wanted to say in regard to what Griff uh, said uh, before is that the reason to do this is to make us see these big swings, these huge moments, because those are the ones where you feel something. And what's still striking to me about this is that as I saw Guts uh, looking distraught and reaching his end and and Griffiths fly off, I also felt no real emotion, nothing specific, and like except maybe unease. (laughs) So, yeah, it's (laughs) like... Even if if Mura had done this, I am also not a, a huge fan of the Casca abduction scenario, and we'll get back to that later. But if Mura had done this, you would expect to have been fucking, like you said, heartbroken. It, it, same as with Guts. And I'm thinking back to the Eclipse, and you see Femto raping Casca, and that's a, an awful scene. And it's very well executed in that it really makes you feel shitty and angry. And so yeah. you you emphasize with Gus, you're like, what? You're as angry 
as he is. And here you should be as sad and as distraught as he is. And I'm sure that's what Mira would have managed to do. But here, yeah, it's just, uh, it's not great. And honestly, like, it doesn't matter to me that Roderick looks good in that one panel because, <laughs> you know, I like, I like Roderick as a character, but that's not what, that's not what we're here for. Yeah, that's not <laughs> yeah. what the story is about. And to see Roderick's internal thoughts about how he was warned by the Meros and stuff, like, even if you put aside the fact it all sounds stupid, doesn't make sense. <laughs> We don't care. What we care about is God's thoughts, Griffith's thoughts, or whatever expressions, Casca's thoughts. If we're not going to get these, I mean, I have to question why they're even doing this in the first place, as opposed to something like shortened, more abbreviated. And when I see like people's reactions online, it feels weird to me that the people who kept cheating on Mura uh, and making a big deal about Guts' face looking odd in like a small panel somewhere are now absolving all flows in the face in this continuation. And the people who kept complaining about Guts' friends saying they should all die or whatever, they are not cheering because Roderick is looking good and he saves the day. It's like <laughs> quite a reversal. And I'm like, what about Guts and Casca and Griffiths? And what about the, like the main stuff? going on you know so it's a bit yeah it's um they're still there it's fine <laughs> just yeah. take it for just take them for granted basically yeah you know they are trying their best i i you know that's that's the thing but i just don't feel like their best will ever measure up yeah to what uh yeah it's a- we knew that from the outset but yeah it's just like the the repeated issues are kind of bogging down the experience rather than it's preventing me from enjoying what's there versus, Mm. you know. Yeah. It's obvious. Like I said, it's obvious it wasn't going to be Mira, but I think more what Gobbs meant. And I think he meant anyway, is that like they chose this path to make it into an episodic manga uh, in the same light as Berserk. And Mm -hmm. so it has to fit that framework and it feels wonky. You know, we get this wonky feeling in every episode, and the hope is that they had planned it well enough that they could measure up to fill those pages and make it feel seamless, but it it doesn't. Mm. You know? And so it's it's a matter of structure and execution, I think, is the, is the fundamental problem. That they are continuing it based on Mira's ideas alone is could be fine, but trying to make it this page-by-page affair, I just it, – it, it's as we knew, it's filled with problems and variables that they have not really cared about or worked through. Yeah. yeah, it's clear to me that they meant to make it seem as if nothing had changed. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it's still called Berserk. Hey, this is the next episode number continuing where we left off when uh, Mira passed away or before Mira passed away. But yeah, that's what's know. most damning to me about this is that. Nobody forced them to do it. And I get like it's a very Japanese thing to say we're doing our best. But, I mean, your best is not enough. So what what are we to do as fans? You know, as a fan, I don't give a shit that you're doing your best or whatever. What I want is either it's, you know, worthy to be actually Berserk episode 365, 6, 7, 8, or it's not, and you call it something else, and you change the numbering system, 
and you maybe make it into another format because it won't, or say the flaws will be less visible. It will leave more to the imagination. And so it's easier to make into something palatable. But the problem is they took a big swing and doesn't look like uh, it's going to hit. Yeah. I'm still here. I'm just wondering how do I even continue? Well, <laughs> <'Cause I've, laughs> let's talk I agree. About to Roderick. me, this. We were talking about guys, Roderick. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. You guys heard my enthusiasm towards the beginning of last episode and the, and the end of the last episode. And it was like the mystery of an, of these ooze dudes, which I'm going to still call them ooze dudes. I know we have a name <laughs> for them now. Uh, I like ooze dudes. Slap me on the wrist if you may. Um, but that didn't carry through to this episode. That, that enthusiasm died pretty quickly. And, and it's, it's, it has to do with just how much they don't hit the part that they really need to hit. You know, the gut stuff really unsettled me. This should be a big moment. It mirrors Hill of Swords in a way that feels uncomfortable. And yet it doesn't even cl come close to having the same impact. It just all feels more like a facade than a well-executed episode uh, or continuation to you me know, at this point. Interestingly enough, and I'm going to say, in the end, it's not a surprise, but the actual mystery of what the ooze is all about is the most interesting thing in the episode to me. And like the only yeah. thing I'm curious about next episode is about this stuff. And that's the stuff Mira had planned and that probably Mori has some information about. So it's not, it shouldn't be a surprise that the only thing that actually interested me uh, is the stuff Mira had in store and that we're going to see revealed and the rest was like not not great. So, but yeah. It's... And the same last episode as well. Yeah. What I responded to the most was the island beginning to crumble and the ooze dudes appearing. That was exciting. Yeah. Um, at the same time, the first page just, that's that's it. That's all that we get. A, we get a, a slight development there and it is extremely mysterious still. Uh, Azil and I talked quite a bit about trying to make sense of how this would be the case. And I don't have an easy answer for why they are talking to him, why they are not attacking guts, but they are attacking Skull Knight. It is a very strange scenario. Yeah. Yeah. What's, what's strange specifically is they're calling him a sacrifice. Mm -hmm. So, and, and, but they're, they're speaking to him politely and asking him to respond sacrifice, to Sacrifice, son. Yeah. <laughs> which, which is kind of, it's kind of odd, but yeah, whatever. But, um, yeah, so that's interesting. And he's obviously like on that first page, you see there's a, a crevice where he could uh, go and in a cave and maybe explore some ruins or whatever and find out about the mysterious past of the island. But yeah, they, they, uh, so he's staying immobile the whole time. They're not attacking him, but they're attacking everybody else, the Skullite and, and such. I'm going to guess it's just, again, poor execution. They are not attacking him because uh, Studio Gaga needed him to raise his fists at the sky and be like, no. <laughs> and, and so, and and first page of next episode, they'll attack him because Knight will Oh, be, gosh. Yeah, because Knight will be convenient for, for them to do it. They just shouldn't have had that first page then, if that's the case. But they needed to have that page where they say, sacrifice son. Yeah, okay. So, right. I mean, uh, don't, don't ask, yeah, don't ask me to explain why, why stuff sucks. Well, it... I mean, in a nutshell, what we're saying here is that they can still convey sort of the nuts and bolts plot points, you know, and we'll yeah. get that and we'll appreciate it. But it, when it comes to, like, executing it with the drama of the story, whether it be the action or the characterization, like, you know, Casca being abducted and Gut's reaction should have been, like, 
a top moment in the series. Like with recency bias, we should have all been going, Oh my God, this was the best episode ever. But instead <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah, that, that happened. And it doesn't really have impact. And for the reasons you're saying too, like guts should have been having that moment while fighting the ooze monsters. That's yeah. something Mira would have portrayed. Like yeah. you would have seen guts struggling, fighting off the monsters, but also looking and having a pained expression and maybe even reaching out for a moment because he can't get to her. And the same thing with Griffith, even getting near or touching Casca. That's a big deal. Like on the Hill of Swords, just when he protects her, it's a big deal because, you know, him getting close to her is a third rail, not just because of, you know, the brand, but because of the history. And that's yeah. not really addressed moment to moment. Yeah, and it bears mm -hmm. repeating that this whole thing that we just saw, the fight between Gus and Griffith, well, the confrontation, because it's hardly a fight, and then Griffith taking off with Kafka, it's like, when the series will be done, and even when Mira would have finished the series, it would have been like one of the five most important moments in the series, and I say five, it might be three, right? But it's huge, it's, it's like, there's the rape during the eclipse, there's when he saves her, there's, you know, Hill of Swords, this stuff, it's a huge moment for these characters. It's enormous. It's, it's as big as uh, Guts confronting the Golden in Volume 3. Like, it's enormous. And so we're seeing it suck. And, like, even if uh, Guts in Fantasia fighting whatever, or Guts fighting Locus, even if that's well done, like, who cares when that huge moment sucks? Uh, and I and I think it's something worse. I'm also on. skeptical those moments will be awesome. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, and yeah, for sure. Like, uh, same here. In fact, I mean, it's another conversation, but I was telling Walter earlier, I've kind of resigned myself to that the next 10 years of my life, if not the next, you know, 30 years will be spent trying to reverse engineer this shit into some things that might have been good if Mira did it in my head, basically, you know, based yeah. on like bits and pieces. Like, hmm, how could it be modified to actually be good? So, yeah. First of all, they would have drawn backgrounds. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, it's funny. It's, yeah, it's also another thing. It's like drawing the backgrounds, like detailed stuff in some panels with like inconsequential stuff. But when it's guts and griffiths and stuff, you just leave it blank. Yeah. I, I, I can I, I've thought about that the other night because that's something that's been consistent. I brought it up in the thread where it's like the biggest moments, it's like, not that they drop the ball, but they're almost going for, is it like some sort of stylistic, yeah. we're focusing in on this, this is the key highlight moment. And it, I was thinking of like, you know, when Cass, I mean, when Guts rescues Casca from the Goatman pseudo-apostle, and yeah. there's that two-page spread where it's almost completely blank. You just see... Guts there, or actually, no, he rescues her from, I think, the the people in the ceremony. He chops them up. Yeah, but they all fly yeah, aside, and it's guys, just him yeah. and her on a, like a, on two white pages for the most part. And I feel like, are they going for something like that? And because they're not, you know, at Mira's level, <laughs> they can't pull it off. And it <laughs> yeah. just looks sort of blank and sparse. And it's like, what's no. going on? They forgot to draw this. <laughs> I, it was like an afterthought. Yeah, they just I, drew, drew the key art and they just didn't bother much with the background. Now, I think, honestly, I, I think it's uh, it's an effort to do it like Mira did. But it's like it's like if you listen to what some somebody tells you, but you don't actually look at how they were doing it. You don't really understand it. You end up yeah. doing it almost backwards. It's like, yeah, you know, it's, that's like what we were saying about the characterization of Magnifico, where, you know, for some reason, the sailors respect him when they never did. And Roderick, who did because they're friends, doesn't. You know, it's yeah. like they get it a little backwards. 
Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, you know, you get the general idea, but not the details. Like, Magnifico, okay, he should be, he's a funny guy, right? He's a fool. And then they do that thing where, like, the humor is not right for him, and rather he would be, like, afraid or reticent or trying to, to angry because he wanted to pull off some scam. That's the kind of stuff he's been doing. Or same for everything. And is it... They get the general, like the idea of on, on the most general possible level, but when you get to the details, eh, it's the same thing with the Skull Knights. Like, well, he's supposed to be cool, mysterious. He arrives, he kills something. He talks about dialogue. fate. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, the problem is when you actually don't deliver it properly, as far as the details go, it falls flat. Speaking of details, why is the spike missing? I don't mean why? to bring this up again, guys, because I don't even care. Hey, you know what really bothered just... me in this episode? Why Why does Skull Knight ride a fucking giraffe now, huh? What the <laughs> hell? <laughs> they don't really burn me up. That. I, guess, I guess I didn't even notice the giraffe until people pointed it out. I didn't like, either. It doesn't look that much. Yeah, It didn't, it didn't stick out to me. It didn't stick out to me. Yeah, I mean, the, the horse neck was always special because it's like a spectral yeah. horse. It's, so he yeah. doesn't have flesh. He's like a skeleton right. horse. Yeah, and, and mm-hmm. yeah, sure, I mean, it's not that well done. But, I mean, it's a miracle they, they have done the Skull Knight as well as they did in the first place. So there's some, <laughs> a, a couple panels where he really looks good. So, honestly... But, yeah, the <laughs> problem is, like, why is the spike missing again while it was well, back? The, and the funny thing is, is obviously someone was... This happened because someone was trying on a level yeah. where it was like, you know, you tried to get extra credit and you revealed your ignorance by mistake. You know, yeah. it's like, oh, what's, shit. What's, if I had just crazy? drawn the basic model. Yeah, what's crazy is that they actually finished uh, the posters for volume 41. And so one of them is Skull Knight and Danan. And in that poster, the Skull Knight's got his spike too. So it's like, you guys worked on this, right? At some point they knew. You were there. Did you forget? But how... So- the only way I can have, make sense of it is that on the way to the ooze dudes, there was like a rabid squirrel uh, in the way, and he had to boomerang it to get it out of the way. But we know I the mean, ooze dudes. I mean, he's come down pretty far from trying to slay god hands and you know yeah. apostles. So now he's squirrels like, in the next chapter, he's gonna be you know squishing cockroaches in their apartment, you know, <laughs> where they're living. <laughs> it's and also, I mean, we I guess we should mention this, but the skull knight does not take a shot at Griffiths. Which yeah, or Zod, by the way. The, by the way, yeah. the vessel for him to get here apparently is Zod. Why didn't I take a shot at Zod? He could have. I could have put a real wrench in the gears. I know. Chop his freaking wing off. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the thing is, so there's ways a Skull Knight could have intervened, and not he could literally teleport in anywhere he wants. Yeah, and his horse moves at like sonic speed, like he's a speed of sound, and so and. He could have, for example, let's imagine a different scenario where Zod doesn't come because Zod couldn't have possibly come to the island anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's another thing that's just, eh, <laughs> he couldn't be there, but he's there just to transport them because it looks like the Hill of Sword and somebody thought that would be neat. And actually, it's not neat. It's but you're, you're mistaken as it's a flaw in the uh, the work of Miura because he yeah. forgot to mention Zod <laughs> could do it too. It, yeah, you know, Sonia yeah, didn't mention me and Griffith. Oh, and Zod. He's got his magic compass that uh, allows him to bypass it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Anyway, if uh, Griffith had transformed into Femto and, like, he flo- flies off. And as he flies off, maybe, I don't know, he extends his hands just like he did at the Eclipse. And he's like, goodbye, old buddy. And he's about to crush him to dust. Skull Knight comes, take the swipe. 
uh, Fentuas just to, you know, move his hand away and he just flies off. Just, I mean, it's not just something I just came up with right now. It, it gives us something. Skarnet tries to do something. Femto tries to do something. It cancels each other. But at least you get a character whose motivation is like his entire reason to live is to kill the God Hand. Mm-hmm. It's what it says to Gus when he first comes in Volume 9. When he talks to Danan at her tomb, he tells her the same thing. He only has one goal. There's only one direction in his life that he's going towards. He's killing the fucking God Hand. And, and then, like, Skullite, uh, Griffiths is there and he doesn't take a swipe. And instead, he comes to rescue Zero from, like, the ooze. Doesn't make sense. <laughs> well, and- the other thing is, um, he had warned Guts about causality is, yeah. has yet to converge. Yeah. Which implies to me, even back then, a junction of time would be coming, a yeah. moment when he would need to be there to strike, basically. Yeah. yeah. He, and knew, then- he knew something was, was about to happen, and that's yeah. why he was there in the first place. Totally. Yeah, he's on this island for that moment, and yet his moment was saving Isidro. And there's also a problem, and I mean, I'm sorry to be nitpicking on stuff, but it can't, can't really be helped. But he says it's fate that the island collapsed. Then why didn't he fucking warn anyone about this? Like, you, so the reason, so we see Roderick and his uh, men have been preparing to leave the island by morning. And they've been preparing... Like, you see there's uh, little boats uh, going to- towards the-, the ship. There's got a lot of material on the beach. It's something, like, it's a big operation. It's not something you just pull up in 20 minutes, right? They've been on it for, like, an hour or two. But, of course, we don't see anything. So it means it happened already, was already in, in process during... Nothing episode. precipitated it, though. Yeah, during episode, like, 364, so while Casca and everybody were sleeping and while uh, apparently uh, Isidro and Isman Serpico were cleaning dirt on the forest with Danan, uh, <laughs> they were preparing to leave the island because it was about to be destroyed. And so this revelation comes from the Meros, who have never been introduced uh, to have the ability to like see the future or anything like that. However, Danan was introduced as someone who has revelation and precognition and knows things are happening and she knew she could see the group during their journey and Getflin was warned by Flora of uh, impending danger and stuff like that. So all these people, and, and of course the Skull Knight, since he knew it was fate, it would happen. All these people have the ability to know the future or to know things that are going to happen, but they were blindsided. Like Danan, it's her own death mostly. Well. Not even blindsided. They're just like other like Danon is somewhat blindsided, but mostly they're absent. And I think the yeah. word that's yeah. going to be uh, most relevant going forward will be marginalized because yeah. these characters like it's difficult enough we can see for them to sort of get you know guts Griffith, Casca, Skull Knight, Isidro, even like Roderick, who's a little more on the periphery, to get all these guys right. Remember their characters. Remember if they have their spike on their collar or not. And so when you have these characters that are even more sort of tertiary and not only tertiary, but arguably even more difficult to understand and more abstract in their knowledge. I mean, how do you even deal with that? How do you touch on that? Like you, you You marginalize it and you put it, you know, in the margins and you just sort of don't portray it. You gotta just, we're going to get a simplified version that probably largely does not include them. Yeah. Like the great gurus are all teased to have their specialties and specific powers of all that about. Same thing. 
I mean, these guys, we might never see them again or just like in the background, not saying anything, not doing anything. So yeah. I had the same thought. We need to yeah, see Gen cause... fight uh, or Ged fight uh, Ubik at some point just because. Yeah. <laughs> like I wore. Yeah. Uh, the Marrow thing, I don't know. I think I think you're reading too much into it, Azio. I think it's simply Studio Gaga underestimated how much time it takes to load a ship and that's it. You know? Uh, well, uh, yeah, I mean, it could also be that. It could also be... Because the thing is, like, between uh, episode 365 and now, yep. there's maybe, like, a minute elapses, two minutes. Like, he's just guts taking swipes at Griffiths. Yeah. But it is out of sequence, though. Because when we come to the... When we see that scene with Roderick, it actually is back in time. Because when that tremor happens, when you see the full island, presumably that's that last moment in 367 when we see Griffith rising up. Like, that's when it, all things started falling apart. So you're seeing it dial back the time a little bit leading up to that big tremor. Yeah, but my point is, it's like... So it means the the Meros instantly told him something's yep. happening and, and yep. everybody was already ready to prepare to evacuate... It could be. It could be what they're trying to portray, but like... It's not enough time, yeah. granted, but there's not enough time. Yeah, it's, I mean, just, I it's think... just that it doesn't make sense for them to... Like, they were already... All of them were on the beach and ready to... Okay, sure, whatever. It's just... <laughs> it, it's uh, To me, it doesn't really make sense, basically. I think it's just they needed... It's actually funny. I think the Mero's warning is a way that for Studio Gaga trying to buy time for what they rec- recognize as being... Loading the boat will take time. We have to write in something so that they knew to leave because ultimately the seahorse has to leave. That's like a... That and yeah, they can't like load a, it up given. after they feel the tremor and go, hey, something bad is yes. happening. Yeah. So the marrow saying anything is basically tipping the hand that yes, the seahorse will make it out, obviously. So the marrow saying that is the, their way of buying time, even if it doesn't actually make any sense. Yeah, but there's also a problem with that. Is first... Just Roderick feeling the tremors, he could have been, what's going on? Oh, the island is collapsing. Everybody, back to the ship. Drop everything else. Mm-hmm. No need for to have them already been preparing or whatever. That wasn't needed. But even so, he said he actually warned the village. So, I mean, if it's just happening in like, uh, in you know, in a few seconds or whatever, how did he even have time to warn the village? Did yeah, it's not explained. I don't know how he would have warned them. Does yeah. he have a flare gun? Yeah, did he send an envoy? And, and so, and the Meros warned him, but uh, Isma's mother didn't warn her, even though she gave her a, a seashell necklace that she can hear and speak to. Uh, so... And yeah. and again, no one else, like, I mean, it goes back to the fact everybody felt something was happening with Griffiths, but Danan is oblivious, even though she's like the most powerful elf and like ruler of the island and her odd is covering the whole island, but she couldn't feel something. But it's because they didn't know how to have her know and still make it work. Yeah. Sure, I mean, yeah, which, just, which would take a lot exact. of time and be a lot more nuanced. Whereas, yeah, of course, every animal and marrow and everything around the island. Oh, yeah, we know something bad is going on, but she did it. Yeah, and, and Puck is still in the sky, being like, "Oh, oh what's going on?" What's He's going still on? there from when Zod came down. Yeah, right? so yeah. it's and and I mean, you're right, Griff, in that it's just they didn't know what to do, so they did this, and I understand yes. that. But as a reader, it's kind of what Grail was saying earlier. Mura, in a way, trained me to do this, to, like, look at the little stuff and see how it connects. And here, if you just... It's, like, not a big effort, like, intellectually. You just 
look at the stuff and you're like, hmm, none of this makes really any sense well, at all, actually. And you know, well, and you know what this shows is it demonstrates, you know, because everyone was worried like, oh, what's the artwork going to look like? You know, is it going to even be close to Mira? And we're seeing that his talent wasn't even so much his fantastic art, but like the the multiple streams of storytelling that he would have going on simultaneously, like a labyrinth. Like it was so, yeah. there was so much muscle and depth and like thickness to it. Whereas, you know, they can only do like one strand at a time and it, it doesn't work, you know, because like, yeah, who knows what, when and where, and it's like all these characters and things, all they have to just simplify it to the max. Mm. Cause it must be, if you're not Mira, if you haven't been doing it for 30 years, it must be incomprehensible. You know, it's like, yeah, I mean, I can't even imagine. That's where, again, where my like sort of compassion for them comes in, where it's like, yeah, man, I mean, I don't even know how they're doing it this yeah. well. No, it's tough. But. The, the lack of inclusion of Danon, it's, it's to go back to that, it's sort of, it's the exact same scenario of why Farnese and Shirke's protection of Casca is sidestepped. It's not even portrayed. They just shift to the left a little bit. It's the same thing. Like, he could have written Danon doing something, but he knew that Mori, this is, would have converged on it being ineffective and Griff is still making it out. So he just chose not to include it, you know, it's, but it still feels wrong in a way. Like mm. there was this unplayed hand that never got used and it makes you wonder, well, why not? It feels like it was a natural thing to do. Yeah, there's a problem with this format. And I think uh, Grail and Gobolatula would have things to say about this. But when you... Because they chose to do this in manga form and not as an illustrated article or something, they like even though Maurice said he wouldn't be writing stuff that Mura didn't say and, and the editor said as well, they've already walked back on that claim. It's a it's a promise you can't keep. Yeah. They, they, yeah. So right. they've already walked back on it. And the thing is, because they're showing us stuff that they deem is inconsequential and so as not to like denature the story too much. The problem is those characters were important to the story and the fact they are not portrayed properly or not portrayed at all, in a way, already denatures the story. Like the fact these big guys were introduced to be something and end up not doing something, not being even pictured. I mean, you are denaturing the story. So it's already, from that perspective, it's already compromised and they are not going to be able to like... And like you, you've mentioned a couple of times, it's even worse than if we had nothing. Because if we had nothing... I mean, I'm not saying it would be better to have nothing than this, but from a storytelling imagination standpoint, you would be able to imagine what the gurus are doing right now. The absence of them is, in essence, saying, well, they're not doing anything, you know? So it's like it kind of takes that away from you. Yeah, that's baffling to me. You got to do a lot of mental gymnastics to, to figure it out, I think. Just be like, okay, well, maybe Dan and if she had done this, and then the good it's, it's confirmation the by omission. <laughs> yeah, and, we said it. We said it last episode a couple times, but like, you know, we always had thoughts for what the next episode would be, and we always had big ideas like, oh, it's gonna be so cool if this happens, this happens, and then Miura's came version came out, and it was always better. Well, fuck what I had, I do. This is so much cooler, and now it's set stopped. You know, now it's the other way around, unfortunately, hmm. which is unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. I don't think any of us necessarily – I could be wrong. I don't think anyone predicted the abduction of Casca, and hmm. that would have been a big change if Mira had introduced that. I would not. But I, th- I, I feel like we had talked about in the past about ways that Griffith can resolve his problem with a boy, 
I felt like it was much. It was one of the throwaway ideas that yeah. we considered. But I don't even understand how it's supposed to work in the long run. Like you know, it doesn't really. Okay, you've got Casca. He's not going to take you to Casca, but Guts is still out there. He's still, right. you know, it's his mother. It's still a complication. So yeah. unless right. there's a step two, it, I don't devalues really see. Guts, which I think is a mistake. Uh, I think the boy still cares about his parents together. Uh, the other thing that I was thinking about in this episode is. In the Hill of Swords, Griffith acted with confidence uh, because he didn't know about the the boy. And then the boy chooses to act and Griffith acts, as, acts you know, not of his own will to protect Casca. And here the boy takes no action despite this happening. You could say he's exhausted after using the control of the body over the moonlight, all that kind of thing. But in any way, the boy wasn't a factor in anything, even though it was a hugely consequential moment. Is it something where, because I mean, I'm just trying to rationalize it. Is it like, because he wasn't going to do harm to Casca, you know, no harm is coming to her. She's just being physically moved that it doesn't, you know, he doesn't act. It has to be like an extreme situation. Four-year-old boy's mentality. I don't know. Or if, or does, is this what he wants to, in essence, he wants to have his mother. So it's like, well, guess what? I'm going to give the boy what he wants. And then it's not going to be a problem. Yeah. And it's also, it could be a reason why he doesn't fight back against guys. Yeah. Because that would have been a problem. Yeah, about Casca's adoption, I mean, uh, same thing. It's an idea we, of course, considered, but I feel like nobody liked it. Nobody saw it would be good, so uh, <laughs> we didn't really uh, stick to it. Which, I mean, I still think, I'm still not a fan of the idea. And I even think it's a, how do you say, well, it's a da- dangerous moment for the series. Mm. What I but think Mira is- would have exceeded your expectations. Yeah, and exactly. you know, you would have had confidence. Well, he's going to make this awesome. We're going to get some really right. awesome Casca material. Now, even if that's in store or written down somewhere, like you know, here's the bullet points of all the cool stuff that Casca's going to do. I don't know that it's going to come across yeah. that way. Anymore. Yeah, exactly. One of Mira's great talents is that he was really great at introducing shocking twists that immediately felt natural and even obvious. So much so that they quickly felt like they er- they felt easy. earned. Yeah, and, and you quickly felt like they had been the only possible outcome. Like, I remember many times I had many different ideas and Mira came up with something different. And very quickly I was like, yeah, nothing else actually made any sense compared to this. This is definitely the right way it was always supposed to be. And because of that, I can't believe that he had a scenario planned where Griffith subjected Casca and that it wasn't like a big letdown. Uh, but unfortunately, mm-hmm. Mori and the team, they lack that same talent. And so what we get here does feel like, at least to me, a repeat of the Hill of Swords with flying off on Zod. And in fact, I'd go as far as to say it can make you question, like, what was the point of the last 20 volumes? Because neither Gus France nor even the Berserk's armor played any role here in that scene. So it feels like the exact same scene could have occurred on the Hill of Swords with, like, minimal changes. And of course... I mean, Casca's healed, so that's a big change. And, you know, all the world has changed. And there's Falconia, there's all stuff. But if you're somebody who has been criticizing the series, you could just say, well, you know, they could have just had Casca's mind be shocked back to normal by seeing Griffiths at the end of Volume 21. And then she'd faint and wake up at uh, Gold's place. And then she gets a panic attack when she's his gut. So Eric has to take care of her. And then Griffiths arrives and abducts her. And same thing exactly happens. No difference. So... Of course, that's just a, a stupid mental scenario, but the point is execution, again, makes a big difference. And I feel like in three episodes, Mira could have really make it feel 
like natural, which is not the case here. And to your point, Griff, about uh, what's going to happen next, like I said, I feel like that's a dangerous moment in the story because getting to see Casca in Falconia, like it's going to be very sensitive. And I'm, I'm wary of how this team will be able to handle it. And I feel like if they mishandle it, it could kind of ruin the entire story. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Right. And so it's, that is a bad case scenario. <laughs> They've ruined Berserk. Yeah. And and I yeah. and I mean it's it's what really occurred to me naturally. And I'll say if it's what Muir had planned, I don't doubt he had some really great stuff planned for it. Maybe something not dissimilar to what we saw with uh, Rickert, and you know that was a great moment. I really love Rickert in Falconia. I love it, but. The problem is, can these guys do it justice? Like you said, well, it's, just, it's like it's uh, points. if if Muir was the greatest gymnast of all time and he had a routine planned, and it's like, okay, he can't do it. Here's his fill-in, and it's like, guess what? <laughs> they, they they have no chance of executing this whatsoever. So they're going to do something really rudimentary, which isn't actually the plan anymore. No, no it's more like a bomb. There's a bomb, <laughs> and Miura is the world's best bomb defuser. Every time he steps up. No matter how big the charge is, you know, 10 out of 10 times, Mira's going to defuse it. But Mira's not here, and they got to bring in the rookie. Okay, it's we bring in the bomb. rookie. He, Mira wrote down on a napkin what to do. Here you yeah, go. Yeah, it's red, green, in his own handwriting, and it's kind of cursive, and he can't quite read it. And he's like, uh, it's, it's, it's this one, I think. Except the thing is that, in this case, Mira made a bomb himself, so it's more like Houdini, yeah. since we're about metaphors, that he devised a plan <laughs> where he's dropped underwater in a safe with his hands tied, and he has to escape from it. Oh, oh, you're you're the assistant, the stage guy, right? Well, come over here. You're gonna do it in his place. The guy, yeah, sure, sure. I've seen him do it. I I, I can do it. <laughs> oh no! And then he doesn't he come told out me. of the, of the tank. Over drinks. Like, they're canceling yeah, oh the show, God. you know. <laughs> over drinks. Houdini told me I can do this. I can do this. <laughs> so and yeah, only just, we're we're underwater now. Yeah, and and the thing is, how much of his plans do they even know? Because again, I mean, I said so in the thread, but. I feel like this whole like six episode sequence is probably something that you know fits in like two or three sentences from Mura, mm-hmm. right? Well, Guts will try to hit Griffiths but won't be able to even scratch him. The Griffiths will fly off with Casca and Guts will despair and then the island you will crumble. That's a mitigating circumstance because if you're right about that, then they really they can't like they can't do that depth of storytelling. Because they don't have the material, like if they're trying to follow Mira's wishes, then yeah, we're going to have to either, I mean, it's either that they can't walk and chew gum at the same time and do, you know, the story like Mira did it, or it's that they don't have the information to do that anyway. And it's probably both. So it's yeah, it's going to have to be this simplified, rudimentary, you know, A, B, C, you know, storytelling, you know, from one point to the next. Because if they try and do too much at once, I, yeah, it could all fall apart and collapse where we don't even know what's going on with the timing of when did Roderick know what he did, you know, versus what was happening elsewhere. Imagine that times 10 with everything going on in the world and all these events. Yeah. So it's it's a better that it just be like you were saying with dialogue and everything, that it just be as simple as possible and then th- to be successful, they just need to render the key moments well. Where it's like, it looks great, it looks iconic, you get the emotion of seeing those characters together doing what they're doing. And to me, that's where it's sort of failed, because it's like, I haven't felt that in those moments. And I don't know, maybe that's something they'll improve at as time goes on, this is good practice, but it might just be a symptom 
or, you know, the result of the symptoms of all these problems of trying to continue a genius's work in his absence. Yeah, and it's kind of like with the Skull Knight, where changes to take a shot at Femto, like there's not going to be very many of them. And chances for them to nail the big important moments, they've already failed like uh, this one. And it's not like there's, you know, tens and hundreds left. So I'm, I'm with you. I honestly, I kind of hope they'll change the format after this, you know, chapter ends for something more abbreviated. To the point, they can skip parts. Just, just, just do it simple, end it in like three volumes. Fine by me. They try to, because they keep saying, we're going to do it to the end. We're going to keep going. And I'm like, guys, guys, just, just, you know, like, <laughs> we're all tired. <laughs> yeah. Just finish it up as quickly as you can, please, please. Well, maybe, maybe the whole Casca abduction arc would have been like an entire chapter long. And now it's going to be more like, you know, a few episodes. I mean, could, I could see could something like that. Yeah. Could be. If Casca escapes, was that a good plan for Griffith? The ultimate schemer? Yeah, would have been stupid. God hand member. Boy, he's lucky he's like invulnerable, huh? Like <laughs> because his plans. <laughs> yeah, so she just... he brings her to Falconia's and she escapes. She corrupts the minds of Sonia Charlotte. Yeah. Great. Starts plan. An, an uprising in Falconia. Really great plan, man. You could have just left <laughs> her on the island and, and I mean Yeah, just not changed much. <laughs> just leave her to die. <laughs> Of course, he doesn't deal with the boy, but it's not like this solves the boy problem either. Yeah. Um, Maybe there's yeah. a plan to actually solve the boy problem. I mean, we talked about it last episode. Like yeah. a ritual or something, yeah. you know, to lock him away. Dark thing planned. I mean, it wouldn't make sense. Just also for they the need Gaska's blood. I mean, yeah, <laughs> at some point, he's actually got to show his true colors, right? So... But again, I mean... Well, he's also got to show a weakness at some point, and we're still... Yeah, we're, other than getting slapped, <laughs> you know, we're not seeing much. <laughs> yeah, to, to, to go back to the... to Yeah, his, his power and the island, the way also the island is shown to crumble. Again, I mean, Grail talked about it earlier, the fact if you start putting in the gurus and Danan and everything, and they play a role, like, no matter how you cut it, it becomes a different story than what we saw, Right. And so the mm -hmm. fact the island basically gets destroyed as some kind of a side effect of Griffiths being there, where he doesn't even, he's not even shown actively doing anything. He just, the boy transfers back. Griffiths is just looks at guts for a second while his wife, you know, takes swings like an idiot. Then he picks up Casca <laughs> and fly off. And the <laughs> entire island just crumbles to dust. And like, I mean, honestly, it's pretty pathetic for these guys. Griffith and just farts and he conquers, like, you know, a new country, <laughs> you know? I mean, he just, yeah. like... It's and, and he's naked, right? And he doesn't <laughs> even, like, transform into Femto. Not, no need. Just everything crumbles. And you're like, like, didn't these guys think about, you know, like, the possibility of this ever happening? What? But also, it begs the ultimate question, which has been a question, you know, even going back to, you know, his incarnation, is like, why does he need to pretend anyway, yeah. you know? For, you know, it's like he's, yeah. he's pretending to be some guy in armor, and it's like he can just, like, put his foot on the ground and, like, conquer the world. Yeah, exactly. It's, so it's, uh, and, and you know, the way he's gonna be defeated in the end, which is still most likely going to be through the boy, as we speculated before. But I mean, if it's just 
like, aha, we got the boy and now you're going to die, even though so far you've been like invulnerable and destroyed land masses just by looking at them. Uh, it's going to feel unearned, which is again... Yeah, just saying it is not satisfying. <laughs> yeah. Execution is it could make it work, obviously. Um, yeah. I wanted to go back to the island real quick, because as you said, Azil, that is the most compelling part. And not only that they are the ooze dudes are speaking to guts, but also what Skull Knight says about them supporting the island, the original original people on the island, original things. Uh, it does make the island kind of mysterious, but before I start talking about that, I'll just say, who else probably knows about this thing on the island? If Skull Knight knew, it stands to reason that Danon knew as well, yeah. she, right? She, she says that uh, they're going to keep pouring out continuously. So she knew she knew what was going to happen, what was happening. She, she, she must have known. Uh, I mean, it's, there's no doubt to me that she knew. Yeah, no, I, it's no doubt. I agree. And, so why isn't she the one explaining this? Yeah, and, and also, yeah, true. Yeah, excellent point. Like, she's... She's there, and she, I mean, probably looks like she could speak still, even though she's weakened. So she could actually be giving that information. And by the way, uh, the Volvaba in episode 361 says that uh, what the great gurus had been predicting uh, would finally come true. So mm. they also knew, she also knew, the Skull Knight knew that uh, causality was converging. Basically, every fucking body knew something was going to go down. And yet they're all taken aback by surprise and like, again, literally just Griffith shows up, the island crumbles to dust. I'm sure... Well, it's not fair. It's nap the other, time. There's another thing, though. <laughs> the the gurus were put on alert by Danon that the boy was mysterious and they didn't know who he was, but the idea was they would keep an eye on him to be sure. Yeah. And Damn bureaucrats. Then, <laughs> yeah. Didn't do a good job. That keep an eye on this situation. Yeah. yeah. They didn't do a good job, but fortunately for them, Roderick uh, was on point and he warned the village <laughs> that the island was going to get destroyed. So thanks to his uh, warnings that I guess came by cellular or something, uh, yeah, yeah. they're going to be able to evacuate, I guess. I guess maybe. Or maybe it's because he's hot too. I mean, the Marrows warned him because he's real strapping in that <laughs> naval outfit. I mean, that's why they <laughs> surfaced to They were like, dude, we're getting some real weird vibrations down here. You got to go. You know, it's about <laughs> big earthquake coming. They can sense it. Uh, yeah, you know, another weird thing is that we're talking about the big moments and how they're landing. Okay, so in the last few episodes, Griffith shows up. Uh, you know, he <laughs> guts fights him. Well,. I mean, performs theatrics around him. Right. He abducts Casca, and then now the Elf Island has been destroyed, and it's sort of like, eh, this is happening. I mean, it's like, it's very nuts and bolts. I don't feel like strongly. Maybe the next episode yeah. will be like a Fantasia-like, we're going to see the island sinking in from every angle. We'll see all the creatures panicking and dying and being covered in black ooze or submerging. Or is it just going to be like these long shots and it's where you don't really feel a lot? Right. I think that's what was missing. This shot of the fish is really good, actually. It looks good, but it's not conveying like the sense of like total destruction, I feel like, where it's yeah. like, you know, what's happening on the, on the ground. No, of course I'll not. tell you why. I'll tell you why, Griff. Because we don't see, like you said, the creatures reacting, the elves. There's no reaction shot. It's... To see yeah. what we actually got in the first pages of... They're, they're all dying, you know, their lives are over. <laughs> yeah, or even just, I mean, they could just be scared or, you know, and you could see, like, their homes being destroyed. Because we're just seeing aerial shots of, like, like you, like you said, the, uh, like the tree falling into a sinkhole. 
It's like, we don't even know like if the island is actually getting destroyed or if it's just getting damaged. Yeah. Is it actually going to disappear or if it's just sinking? It would be like if you did a movie about like Manhattan Island, you know, sinking into the ocean, but all you saw was like a wide shot of it, like out of a newscast or a documentary rather than seeing like, oh yeah, there's millions of people dying. If it's, it's (laughs) you know, this makes me think of the merging of the world because of how Mira handled the, it was a lot of small moments. Mm -hmm. Yeah. kind of punctuated by big moments. And I wonder if yeah. the next episode will begin with that to sort of punctuate that or if like this is sort of it for the destruction of the island, you know. So we'll we'll see. I I mean I hope uh, as is right that it's not actually being destroyed. It's just sort of being or at least not completely destroyed like as if it won't be there anymore, but it's just been, you know, damaged beyond, you know, being uninhabitable. Yeah, I feel like so I, what I said in the thread is that uh, to me the the inhabitants of the, of the island are actually more important than the island itself. I mean, the island is just a location, and like you said, if Manhattan's get destroyed but it's empty, it's just buildings, right? And except like for an insurance company, that's not a tragedy. So I I think the island being destroyed, if like uh, the gurus magically evacuate everybody and they're all safe, or maybe you know Danan sacrifices herself to get them to escape, it, it's, it's not that big of an impact, which, again, calls it into question, like, such a big thing, but, eh, doesn't have big of, that big of an impact, okay. Uh, but, yeah, I, I'm not feeling... I, I think next episode is probably going to be like, the, the ooze attacking everybody. So you'll have Azan defending Roderick and, and such, uh, Isidro and the Skull Knight, and maybe Serpico, I guess, if he's done... Uh, doing nothing will be fighting back. Do you think the- Guts will stop it when he learns the secret of the ooze? Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure he's going to learn the secret of the ooze, yeah. And hopefully it doesn't involve a super shredder. But uh, that would be pretty it cool. Involve, I mean, it's uh, yeah, halfway okay. there, so. Well, I mean, so so one of my thoughts was, what if the Berserk Samo is related to the ooze, right? Yeah. Because, and, and the idea was, okay, so now Guts is down there, and that's where the dwarves were. And, uh, is that where they're addressing him as, you know, formally? Yeah. <laughs> and they're, they're speaking to him rather politely, and they're like, hey, why are you not answering, bro? Hey, this guy's got Larry in there. Yeah, <laughs> and so pretty much. So I was like, maybe uh, Hanar forged it using some of, uh, some of the ooze, or maybe some ore that contained the ooze or whatever. And so because he's talking to them, because he's underground, uh, of course, that is that. We, we need a new Patreon tier where we fly you to Japan to work with Studio Gaga. <laughs> <laughs> so here's what you guys going to say. And uh, don't use that word. Use this other word. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Pa- well, pause I pause mean. on your Hanar thing because it, consider where Hanar is. He's deep in the island anyway, right? And these guys, yeah. as we know, are even deeper foundation of the island and they are miners, right? Mining through a mountain. Yeah. So yeah. it's totally possible that proximity-wise they would have come across these. What are the properties of these things? What are these things? Yeah. Can I use them in a cursed armor? Why yeah. not? You know? It might, I mean, it might just by itself explain why the armor has strange properties. And as yeah. you remember, when it actually activates, Guts is covered by Black fluid. The secret of the ooze. So there's also that aspect. It's been there the whole time. Yeah, so there's that aspect. And if you recall, Hannah refers to the armor itself as a berserker, basically. He calls it a berserk. 
Uh, and he's talking about the armor itself, which is which was interesting at the time. We noted it. Pola, I was going to say Casca. Pola noted that it was uh, uncharacteristic. It might be hinting at something further. So that there's also that aspect. Uh, so yeah, and of course there's a fact. Barites was explained to be uh, more concentrated as they went lower mm-hmm. in the forest with the elves. It's very lighthearted, right. so it becomes light. But as it went down, it was heavier, and there was a higher concentration. And like I speculated uh, in the past, Barutes could be related to uh, the evil power that the God Hand has been using, because we know there are the four elements, and those make up like elemental magic as used by Shirky and the others. But the evil power uh, that fuels the God Hand, it's something that is based on like the evil in humans. And so you're like, what if the evil in humans also had a, an element to it? And what if that was Bariotis? Yeah, you know, maybe. It right. kind of fits with how it was defined. So we'll see. Uh, of course. I would be pleasantly surprised if uh, any of this comes into play. Not because it's not great ideas and, you know, sounds very consistent with what came before it, but just like we were saying... Are they going to be doing berserk math at this level yeah. ever again, or is it always going to be sort of uh, uh, four plus four equals eight? We we did yeah. it. <laughs> it's I mean, more like four plus four equals seven. <laughs> <laughs> Guts goes down to hang out with the ooze dudes and gets drunk with them in the next episode. Yeah, it's hilarious. There you go. Yeah, your sorrows. Why, the question is why bother? Uh, and I'm excited by that possibility as well. I just don't. I just don't think the team is necessarily preoccupied with those kinds of things, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. And are well, kind of rolling those elements back, at least with the other characters, you know, of that sort, lore-heavy sort of uh, yeah. characters. Well, I've got more in store to explain why they might do it anyway. But I agree with you guys. For all I know, Hanar is dead. Well, I mean, yeah. If it's if it's like, like a, a fundamental thing going forward, yeah, I could definitely see it becoming a part of it. That's why I would be pleasantly surprised. I just don't know how much they're gonna. You know how how well they'll realize that. Yeah. What? So what makes me think? So in any case, why even bring these guys up? Why are they even there? So obviously, it's about the secret of the island, how it was established. Uh, their name, as I said in the thread, sticks out to me. Uh, we translated it as knowers, uh, like uh, you know, rats knowing at something, because the name implies you like. You know, destroy something little by little until it's completely gone. So it's it's a it's a pretty specific uh, name, and the first kanji in it is the same kanji as for the eclipse, except it has a different pronunciation in this case. So it could just be a thing as well. It's the same kanji because like it's unrelated, but it could also be on purpose. Could be yeah, an tipping of the hand. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know for sure. But anyway, it made me think of that. And uh, I thought, well, these guys could be the creators who devoured people during eclipse ceremonies before the first apostles were created, right? So when we see the flashback of Geyseric, we see those proto-apostles who look like they're from prehistoric times. Maybe at the very beginning, there was nothing, but there was these guys. So, like, before even the Vortex, I don't know, it's just kind of something I'm pulling out of my ass, but the idea was, like, after this, once the chapter is over, new chapter, maybe we're transitioning to a geyseric flashback that explains how Helfam was established, what the island was doing before, 
kind of a little, of course, obviously abbreviated in this case and, and shitty and whatever, but we see a bit of uh, Geyser can void. Like I even, you know, they said they had some notes, they found, found some notes and sketches Mira did with uh, character designs. And I'm really hoping that among these were uh, designs for Geyseric as a human and Void as a human. Mm. And it's dumb. I even hope we get to see Geyseric's flag, like the flag of his empire for some reason, because I've been waiting to see that for long. So, yeah, anyway, we could see that. And then we, we cut back to Casca and Falconia, and then we alternate with Guts in kind of a familiar way. I don't know. Probably none of that happens, and every, you know, it's going to be shitty instead. But, yeah. Just <laughs> the... <laughs> The fact that they refer to Guts as sacrifice already, in a way, says that these guys are related to God Hand Apostles, or at the very least, their predecessors, if that's possible, you know? So it's not like it's a natural or a a common, sorry, naturally occurring thing in the world for a sacrifice and and that kind of ceremony to be there. That's an artificially created thing. So them recognizing Guts, them using that terminology means there is some connection. Yeah. And... I mean, it's my past speculation, so it's really based on nothing except my ideas. But again, Void is the one who always uh, helms the ceremony of sacrifice. He's the one casting the brand. It's like a magic spell. His outfit, if you look like it, if you look at it, kind of looks like a wizard's outfit. Oh yeah, he was a sorcerer. So that guy was a magic user. These guys are related to sacrifice. I mean. You start putting two and two together, it kinda, it's easy to see connections. So we'll see, but I get the feeling it would make sense, at least to me, if that was related to what happened in the past. And I feel like it would be a good point in the story to reveal more about it. Well, it's even more shocking that if this is sort of where it all began, that yeah. it's like, it's just sort of ending before we even find that out. And it's like, it's vo- you know, <laughs> Femto gets back to the God Hand hangout. They're doing their podcast together. And uh, on the Zoom, Void is like, hey, man, <laughs> you you wrecked my island. I mean, <laughs> you know, I wanted to take that over. <laughs> like, Some of my boys down there. Yeah, that, that, was gonna, that was supposed to be mine. That's my end game here. <sighs> well, maybe he freed them to back in action. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or they just wow. the monsters just said that to guts because that's what monsters say to guts. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> I mean, I mean spe- specters generally refer to him as uh, like how to say it? not politely. <laughs> but again, yeah, you know, I, know, I thought they were people are speaking specters, differently but, now. But yeah, the, the sacrifice son is uh, strange. Although you know, using Occam's razor here, maybe they're just specters, and specters recognize that taste, and that's it. Yeah, and because be. they're from Elfham, they're more polite specters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, yeah. the, the fact they asked for him to answer is also odd, especially because they, they haven't asked him a question. So I'm not sure <laughs> what he's supposed to be answering. But what? What do you want? I'm going <laughs> to punch that on, on Maury's uh, writing ability. Hmm. Well, it, it supports your point, actually, that there's some sort of call and expected response yeah. between them and yeah the armor, so... Next episode, the armor activates, and he's like, mm. he he goes down. He grabs a chain. He goes down in the black ooze, just like uh, Terminator Two. You know, <laughs> he puts the thumbs up, molten, or even maybe <laughs> Razal Ghul going uh, back to rejuvenated. <laughs> then he comes back as super guts. He's even more evil and powerful and angry. 
That's like, uh, and that's he's like super shredder, but guts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's like the the stupidest fans fantasy you could imagine. <laughs> but who knows? Who knows? I did start thinking about what's next for guts after this, given his current desperate look on his face. I do think because he's in a crevice and that he's surrounded by the ooze dudes, like the next scene or next episode for guts would be. Trying to get out, exploring the area, having some kind of interaction with the ooze dudes. But also, Shirke and Farnese have vanished from yeah. existence. And it's possible they're down there, too, having their own chat with the ooze dudes or trying to fight them off. So maybe they convene as, as the next group. Because one of the notable things I said about this episode, or I thought was notable about this episode, was it seems like everything is being grouped off. You know, it seems to me like when Azan says, I'm here now uh, on that side of the island – you know, the seahorse crew is solidifying, right? Uh, Isidro is a separate crew with Dan and, Dan and Serpico. And, and Guts and Shirke and Farnese would be another crew uh, off of the yeah. island. Just a guess, just based on how delineated this episode well, is. Well, I wonder, yeah. Uh, yeah, if that'll indeed last and go forward that way. Because that could actually solve some of their, you know, the storytelling problems we've been seeing. Where it will kind of simplify everything and break it up into, oh, you know. I think it makes it triply hard. Well, yeah, that's the alternative. Scenarios. Like, does right. it make it like, oh my god, how do we juggle all these characters yeah. and, t- and these storylines? Or is it like, well, at least we can just do one at a time. Sure. I just think you have yeah. to triple the scenario encounter for the groups at that point instead of just having one yeah. big group. I, I could see Mira wanting to do that. But to me, like for them to try to tackle it on, uh, it just sounds super difficult. And just because they're not going to be able to do it well. I mean, it would have been great to see like uh, Isidro and Serpico, like a buddy movie adventure. They have to survive in Fantasia. They even fight an apostle, just the two of them. They come up with, like, a flaming wind attack, you know? (laughs) Yeah, and, and like, Serpico's using his tactician mind to be like, okay, we're going to use the terrain against him. Uh, There's a goblin nest there. You can... uh, Super cool stuff could be done. But these guys aren't going to be doing that. And that's definitely not something Mural F. Detail knows about. So, yeah. So the... One of the unsubstantiated things that we heard from that video uh, of Miura at the exhibition, I read two different accounts of it. Uh, The one consistency between those two accounts was that the journey with Guts as a big group, as as it has been, is over and a new thing will start after this. So that's also why I lend credence to the group splitting up in a way after this section. Again, that's unsubstantiated because no one actually has recorded and showed us the video. That's just what I've seen across two different accounts. Of yeah, it. and it's important to note that he might just have meant like the journey's over in uh, in Japanese. It could just be a way to say like something new begin- begins. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? The journey with everybody and Casca is over. Just Casca being taken away could have been what he meant by that. So... Again, without knowing, without seeing that video, and it's infuriating, we're not able to to sing it actually. But yeah, it's, it's hard to be sure. Well, if they if they get rid of all the women and children, and it's just guts going around killing things, yeah, the the fans are gonna say this is the best berserk ever. So you know, they're gonna love <laughs> yeah, that'll it. serve love them well. <laughs> yeah, despite everything, the poll, you guys, it's it's positive. It's uh forty eight or so right now positive and negative is 33 or something like that mm. off the dome well i will without revealing my vote my my score did go down from the july poll so yeah Same. mine also went down yeah 
Yeah, we, we are getting a lot of new users. So these may also factor in like people who register just to say they support the new series. I'm not like these guys. Like <laughs> like, you know what, though? <laughs> oh, uh, shit. We can, there is a positive to be taken from that, that, you know, the more, the longer Berserk is, you know, relevant, the, you know, and timely and, you know, has new episodes coming out, whatever we think of them, the more people will find those and then find Mira's episodes and, you know, read the series. So that's a nice thing to consider. Yeah, I mean, there's also, I think, the fact some people may just be satisfied that stuff's happening. I, I feel like the honeymoon phase is not over yet. And that for different people, it may be over at different points. Right, right. Like, I definitely, like, you know, my mood, it's it had darkened since the, the previous episodes. Yeah, I don't know I, if it's just me or, you know, the novelty's worn off. I think it's just, again, it depends on who's, who's in what place, how hopeful they were, how, how much stuff they're willing to forgive or at least overlook. And I feel like eventually it depends what they're doing. Honestly, it depends on if they right. keep doing things like that. I feel like if they keep doing things like they've been doing in them, eventually more and more people will fall off. We'll get turned way. off because they're, you know, they're kind of waiting, giving it a chance. But it's like eventually I've seen enough where yeah. I'm no longer waiting for it to click. <laughs> you know, this is it is what it is. Yeah, exactly. And so, so far, we've got, we still got some people who are like, well, at least the, the trains run on time, right? Meaning, uh, well, we're getting <laughs> uh, new episodes every month. So it's like, yeah, for sure. But have you looked at them? Uh, what you're getting? Are you comparing <laughs> Mori to Mussolini? You know, like, well, <laughs> I, I choose not to answer without the presence of my lawyer. <laughs> Well, but I said what I said. I stand by it. It's more, it's more what people, the way people are saying it, which is, uh, I mean, I, of, of course, it's just some people. Well, you know, they. I'll tell you what they need to do from just the basic fan point. We need a little uh, guts reclamation here. He needs to, you know. Go berserk, kill something because you know after the the ineffectual swings against Griffith and now you know sad in a hole. I, I've never I've never seen guts more sad in a hole, literally and figuratively. So <laughs> yeah, so. Well, the fans they need more they need more swings of the dragon slayer to keep them safe. Yeah, exactly. That if we see him, if we see the berserk Samo activate and he's just fighting like the ooze. Is gonna be and, and they try to make it badass and it's just pathetic because it's <laughs> killing ghosts like he's been doing for like forty one volumes. You're like, eh, yeah, like, who cares? All right, oh, he's really going through that ooze, man. Oh wow, <laughs> very impressive. Oh, the Skonite's killing the ooze now too. Well, oh. you know, I mean, Mira even addressed this in the episode with the uh, the alligators or yeah. the crocodiles, where you know the Berserk's armor. He killed all the. Of Ganeshka's actual forces, you know, and uh, Serpico killed the the mages controlling them, and so it was just the berserk armor killing crocodiles, you know, slaying animals, just like killing animals. And Isidro was like disgusted by it, like, uh, you know, this is kind of like shooting fish yeah. in a barrel, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, uh, we'll see. We'll see what they have in store. You could you could even expect. Normally, like the Skull Knight using uh, his sword technique to 
send all these uh, ooze back to the vortex or back or just to the I, vortex. I did consider like what if he had opened a portal like he did in Clipoth, but it's like it's almost already collapsing on itself so what would that do yeah it's well it's just again it's a matter of uh, what's going to happen to the island does it actually get destroyed do, do they all fall into the sea and then get rescued yeah. by the marrows honestly that feels unrealistic because given the scale of what's happening how could anybody even survive that i don't know they would all be drowned you know and if not killed by the ooze yeah yeah so it's just uh yeah not sure not not really sure maybe it will just be some desolation because like you were saying there's a lot more that like potentially was left to be done on the island now if mira were doing a great twist like you said it would be like well surprise even though i set up all this stuff the island is it, that just makes it all the more poignant that it's actually going to be destroyed and then that's going to have to either be deferred to elsewhere or it's just you know change your expectations but yeah it's yeah. it's hard to know where they're going to go with it i do i do think it would be it wouldn't make sense for stuff like shukate rolling about diamonds for example that feels like was definitely going to be the case uh same with learning to fly you know farnes and danan it feels very consequential, right? It feels yeah. like Farnese learning some magic that can heal the mind. That's a big deal. So it could be just, well, she learned it off screen. But, you know, I don't really believe that. And the same with Hanar and the Amo. I mean, we've seen even just in episode 364, we see Gus, his body's deteriorated even more. He, the Skullknight, he's got even more warnings about not being able to control the armor. And then that's it. Nothing special. And we see this mythical blacksmith and he doesn't take a look at the armor. He doesn't explain anything new. He doesn't take a look at the dragon slayer. That's why I'm hoping it's just de- desolation and devastation on the island because like Hanard is like, no, I'm staying. <laughs> I don't care that it's all dead now. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, could be, could be. We'll, we'll see. What's true is that he feels like, I don't know. He feels like, are, are we, ever going to see the island again after the chapter is over and i get the feeling maybe no. with mira we would have but with these guys i don't think so not really so i don't know could be could be the case i think the island will just be segmented up into little maybe potentially smaller islands maybe uh and i think parts of it have already fallen in uh, yeah I, I don't know that it's going to be like all underwater or anything like that though mm. i think it'll survive in a way. The Skellig Archipelago. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, maybe, like, you know, there's unfinished business on the island can still be set up and completed off the island, you know, if those characters that were going to pass along the information that like, survived. Uh, it's like in Secret of Mana, the Lost Continent, we think only a temple mm-hmm. stays up at the surface. Yep. Mm. Or Wind Waker. I even don't remember that in Wind Waker. Well, Wind Waker, the whole thing is there's the only land masses are basically the tops yeah, true, of the mountains. True, true, true. So it was a lot of temples that were at the tips of mountains. A lot of them. All <laughs> the time yeah. at the bottom of the sea, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, except showing my age, uh, I don't really think that's a relevant scenario. <laughs> Wind Waker? Okay. No, yeah. I mean, uh, even Secret of Mana, I was just joking around. Okay. I, mean, I don't think... Gus will go into the temple and turn the key and raise the continent. Well, like mm-hmm. you were saying, it's no—it's not even necessarily an insult to the new team. It's just that stuff might not be in the cards without Mira and the knowledge that he had exclusively. Yeah, yeah. It's again, it, it, it depends on 
how much they knew. And it's not, I mean, I really don't think it's that much. Uh, f- from the way they said it, from even what Maury said, it's like, well, I knew the broad strokes. He, he, he says he knew about the end of the story. Uh, when Guts when kills eclipse, Griffith, <laughs> yeah, from when the eclipse was done, and yeah, it's gonna be Guts kill Griffith, and you know maybe something something, but a lot of things have happened since then. So I hope he got a refreshing course uh, in between because if it's just well, Guts is gonna swing the Dragon Slayer, and and nobody else does anything, eh? Well, I, I'll say what I said last time is that. What I liked about last episode is I felt something for the first time in this continuation. Like I, that little spark of, ooh, now what? What are these things? That was kind of what carried me, carried my feelings forward. Uh, and this episode is back to back to zero for me. And it, I think feeling matters. I, I think feeling translates to yeah. even our forum activity. Uh, that thread, the main episode thread, is, is the, the, the slowest it's been since like Yotun. For example, yeah, uh, five six years ago, or however long ago that was, uh, yeah. P- I, despite people saying positive things about it, I think I mean the writing on the wall is that there's just not as not a lot of activity around it right now, mm-hmm. and there's just not as much to talk about. Like yeah. you know, for example, when the previous uh, episodes from Mirror were coming out, there was always something to discuss, just because of the level of detail and yeah. like you guys were saying, the thickness and the muscle going on behind it but now it's all very surface level so there's just not much to talk about except what we were expecting and not getting delivered on that's all and as you said it's like it doesn't actually pay to try to go deeper you know you'll just uh no right yeah on the contrary yeah, yeah we see stuff. i'm just no i was just gonna say we 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 are supposed to see stuff that should make us react, and and we are supposed to have stuff to discuss. I said in the thread, for example, we see that the first shot of the island, we see that the full island mm-hmm. for the first time. No one cares. No one I, cares. I liked it. I liked yeah, it. I mean, I mean, I cared, but but it's not something people. No, no one even mentioned it. Did it? Me. Did it look like Ireland to you? <laughs> no, yeah, sorry, sorry miniature Ireland. Guy. Yeah, sorry, sorry to that guy who thought it was gonna be Ireland, but yeah, no. So it's a uh, and and you know seeing Casca Griffiths fly off with Casca, huge moment. Seeing Guts down there, huge one. Seeing his reactions, and it's back to what we were saying at the beginning, where the reason Berserk has been able to continue for so long is because it's character driven. The reason I think all of us fell in love with it. It's not because of the like the rules of the world or the fact that many countries or whatever. It's because of the characters and their emotions and what they feel. That's what drives us to love these characters and love these stories because of what it makes us feel. I mean, I, I love the tiny details Mira put in there, like Bayou Tess, all that shit. I love that stuff. But that's not why I'm reading Berserk. I'm reading it because I love seeing Guts' face when he's drawn rough up close, when he's angry and you know slashing stuff and... And, you know, Casca being worried and Griffiths doing whatever. So if we are not getting this stuff, why bother? Yeah. I mean, I, I, again, the energy for me is not there. Maybe it'll come back with in spurts. But, like, to me, this episode, reading it and thinking about it and writing about it was just like it was a turning point for me where it's like you said the honeymoon period is still on for some people. Like, it's off for me. I, I can sort of see where things are headed and, like, 
my energy is being sapped, uh, starting with this episode. It's been rough. Yeah. Like I said, my main worry now is that the next stuff we see might be like damaging to the, to the actual story and even to Mura's legacy. You know what I mean? Because no matter what we say, I mean, we can say, and Griffiths and I, we had a talk in the previous thread about that, is that we, because it's us, because we've been following the story for 20 years and analyzing it and stuff, we can say, well, this isn't really berserk. This is just a side project. It's Peruzeruku or it's Berserk Modoki or whatever. But for a lot of people, this is berserk. I mean, it's, it's called berserk. It's episode 368. Eh, it's going to be that berserk went real downhill at the end, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, berserk, yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it started all right, but it gets really shitty in the end. You shouldn't read it. And that, that's what some people will say. So, yeah, I'm, that's what worries me now. It's not so much as the rest is like, what, what is this doing actually for Berserk's legacy? Is this going to help prop it up? Is this going to help Berserk live forever? Or is it going to actually bury it down? Like, you know, guts falling down the sinkhole. I feel like with hindsight, like 10, 20 years looking back, I do think it would be, it'll be clear that this was an overreach to me. I'm beginning to feel that more solidly now as we get further and further away from the excitement of having Berserk back. It just feels like as things are settling, like I can see that it's, it might've been an overreach to even to make this, make this particular attempt at a continuation. I mean, it was an overreach sort of on paper. I mean, you know, you know, they can't do that. They can't really do it. It's going to be some sort of sub. It's going to be at best a substitute, you know, the substitute teacher or, you know, a spinoff, but under the official banner. And I wonder if, you know, where the artistic merits of that and where the like, just, I guess, publishing expedience worldwide, how all that is, you know, how all that came together. Uh, yeah. It'd be great to get a documentary on this, you know. <laughs> yeah, for real, because, I mean, I'm back to wondering if Mori was pressured. If so, how much was he pressured? And even for the staff, I mean... Like, if I, he wanted to do a spin-off continuation and they were like, no, we won't allow that, it has to be under, you know, the banner. Yeah, right. and people being like... You know, you gotta have the staff. If they can't do this, they'll lose their job, and then they'll have to be like cashiers. And the job situation in Japan is terrible. And yeah, we, we sh- I've wondered about that too. I mean, that's a real just consideration. Like, so, sorry, Greg, go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna say that the ba- behind the scenes like discussions is something that I've wondered about a lot. Where was Mira kind of up against the wall? And it makes me think of the the latest Matrix movie and how they went to the Wachowskis and said, uh, <laughs> "We're gonna hey, make it with or without this- you." <laughs> Exactly, exactly. And was that a scenario that Maury had to grapple with? And like, you know, oh, man. was That's this brutal. his first choice? Yeah. yeah, but you're not, yeah, basically, you're not going to get to publish like a, ter- a paper laying out everything that would happen in our valuable IP. <laughs> like, you know, I'm sorry, that's not how we're going to do it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it must have been a tough situation for him. And same thing, I, I wish, I hope we can get like a detailed story of what went on behind the scene uh, down the line. And again, I mean, it's also kind of fanciful almost, but I, I, I wish we get at some point like a precise 
document about what he actually knew, what they had, the notes Mira left, the designs he left, what they knew about the stories that he told them, so that we just can know what was the stuff they just fudged and they just like, like, well, well, we can keep it fuzzy and this, I don't know, so we're gonna, gonna show it because just from my, at least my point of view as a fan, I, I just want to be able to know what was Mura's intent, what was the stuff he was still considering that was unfinished, what was the stuff that was pretty solid in his mind that I'm pretty sure would have happened like that, which is something at this point like we, we can't really know for sure. And I think part of it also is we're going to just continue to adjust our expectations and almost we're half, we're going to have to like get retrained as readers to look at it on a different level, you know, not be searching for details, you know, pulling on threads, hoping to find more, you know, it's going to be like, oh, well, you know, we better just take it for what it is and, you know. Yeah, but yeah, it's torturous because on one hand, you know, you have to pull back and be like, okay, it's not going to be at the same level of detail. But like As was saying, you have to reverse engineer it now and say, okay, well, this is happening. What would Mira's intentions might have been based on what we're seeing on the page here? Yeah. So that's the painful part. Yeah. And I do, I mean, like I said, I'm willing to spend the rest of my time uh, trying to reverse engineer it into something more palatable to me. I mean... Why not? I've, I've got nothing better to do, right? <laughs> Are we going to get the As Berserk rewrite where you take every one of these episodes and then you add your the annotated Berserk where you're going to add all those details with the gurus and everything? I, lo- I look forward to your life's work, As. Thank you. The Azotated Berserk. Yeah, <laughs> yes. uh, you know what? I might just do it, actually. So not, not next year. Look forward to that when we're old. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I feel like it's worth... Berserk itself is worth uh, spending time analyzing and discussing. And I feel like this continuation, more like as a duty, deserves to be annotated to explain what's going on with it. Because, you know, again, what Walter said, thinking 20 years in the future, 30 years in the future, 50 years in the future, what will people think? And I feel like this kind of super close-up look at it we've been having and giving it for 20 years like no one else is ever going to be doing that like you know you know what i mean we spent so long looking at it so closely and thinking about it so like intensely no one else will ever do that again i'm done blabbering if you'd like to see more blabbering we have a patreon uh, patreon.com slash sknet there are hundreds i think at this point of updates i want to say it's like 170 or 180 or so yeah that is there to support puela who is our resident translator of all things berserk and kentara miura she is wrapping up the tributes to kentara miura the most recent one was just at the end of last month to mommy mamose uh and there's a bunch of other updates from azil about translating our learning japanese with the berserk as his series of explorations of kanji of berserk what they mean why they are the way they are Uh, and he regularly finds a way to kind of rediscover reinvent why we arrived at the terms that we do for example one of the more recent ones that sticks to my mind is that geyseric is now geyseric with a z based on the way that miura had uh written it down Mm -hmm. the katakana and i've got some good ones coming from that day i spent just looking at berserk that's right Mm -hmm. not just astral (laughs) Good stuff. <laughs> More than astral, that's news to me. Oh yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Of course, I mean, you're a Patreon subscriber yourself, so I don't tell I you am. everything, so that you can <laughs> and also have nice surprises. 
in my uh, berserk, my mental style guide, astral is out, ethereal is in. Well, yeah. that's right. You- there is that well, except for that one circumstance. You'll you'll educate me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I got to get to writing it, but uh, I was actually, and it's funny because I feel like it's like the fourth or fifth time I really discover that. And every time I've been like, eh. You know, it'd be useful oh, is just if you could create a script, just go ahead and do that. Just write it all down. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> that, that would be, yeah, that would be the best. Honestly, I feel like I I would pay probably a, a thousand dollars for that. There is someone that has one for the Dark Horse translation. Yeah, but the problem is that Dark Horse translation sucks. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> no, so that's damn. the problem. Uh, oh, the other thing we do on the Patreon is we have many podcasts. Just this past month, Azil and I recorded two mini podcasts, uh, one while sort of drunk, one while really drunk. Uh, we did it again. <laughs> we did it again, guys. Yeah. Now it's going to be monthly like the new releases. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Ugh. Uh, it depends on when we record it. As that was like 11 a.m. when I was drinking before. That's not fun. That's it, guys. Thanks for joining us on the show. We'll be back in a month, one way or the other, to talk about Berserk. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.